all travel mandates, all the mandates in Canada by all governments should be lifted. A cross-country convoy of protesters opposed to COVID-19 rules converges on Ottawa, where the treatment of a Terry Fox statue has sparked outrage. Plus... As Canadians, I think we should all take a moment to remember um, the tragedy. In a new report, Muslims speak out about ongoing Islamophobia on the five-year anniversary of the Quebec mosque attacks. And... We're dealing with the fire. We're expecting BC Ambulance to be dealing with patients. The reaction as Bowen Island is without 24-7 ambulance service and why many didn't even know about the changes. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. That week-long journey to Ottawa started by truck drivers in B.C. opposed to vaccine mandates is culminating this weekend on Parliament Hill. Global's Sean O'Shea is live in Ottawa with more on that trucker convoy. So, Sean, how has the protest gone? Neetu, uh, you, I'm not sure if you can hear the horns uh, under me, but they are blaring loudly. This party, this Freedom Party, really started yesterday, went into today, and it has been long, and it has been very loud. From the beat of drums to horns, a steady blast from trucks parked near Parliament. The trucker protest reached its final destination, with anger toward reporters boiling. You should be embarrassed to be a journalist. That convoy of trucks and thousands of protesters on foot here at Parliament Hill with one message. No, we're looking for freedom. We're looking for freedom. That's the only thing. Every single thing that, the, that our governments have done, it just keeps on getting worse. I cannot tolerate to see any longer because we're, we're, not, we're not living like we should be against government-opposed lockdowns and mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations in workplaces. Some here claiming vaccines are hurting people. These adverse reactions are not as rare as the media would like to have us believe. They're not, they don't seem to be working, they're failing, they're ineffective. Most downtown Ottawa businesses remain closed for the protest. Police warned about the risk of violence. I think it's horrible. I think what they stand for is wrong, not backed by science and shouldn't be in our city. This man, one of a few counter-protesters supporting vaccines, shown in recent data by Canada's top doctors to be overwhelmingly safe and prevent COVID-related death. So, I mean, I got my jacket ripped. Um, I've been called racial and homophobic slurs all day. Most of the crowd were upbeat. Everybody needs a hug. There was a pop-up arm wrestling match, yet some were wrapped in Donald Trump flags supporting the former U.S. president. I want to see Trump back in 2024. Woo! Of course. He's the best. But mostly... We are standing for our children and for our grandchildren. It is wrong to have masks because children can breathe God-given fresh air. And they say they're not a fringe minority claiming more Canadians share their view than people think. You gotta tell the people the truth! And that's a look at the National War Memorial and those fireworks that are going off above the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Those are unsanctioned. There were no permits for any of this. Those have been going off all evening. Uh, there were 
unsanctioned fireworks going on over Parliament Hill as well. Earlier today, the Chief of Defence and the Defence Minister condemned the fact that there were people climbing all over the tomb, uh, defacing it, and uh, the, Toronto, the Ottawa police are asking people to stay away. In fact, have been asking people to stay away from downtown all day, except for those people who are here uh, for the protest. Need to. Wow, it's been quite the day. What are you expecting from authorities and protesters overnight and into tomorrow? Well, the police just issued a statement that uh, some people are dispersing, but the reality is those horns you hear behind me, those were going till about midnight last night or longer. Uh, the very intense security presence is going to continue. Uh, the Ottawa's, uh, chief of police of Ottawa said that they were hoping there wouldn't be any uh, unforeseen actions here, but they've really geared up from a security point of view. So many people are here. The city is used to protests, but not ones like this one where the trucks are parked in the streets. So they're crossing their fingers overnight that there are not going to be any major security concerns. We're going to wait and see what happens overnight into tomorrow, but more of this protest will continue through Sunday. Back to you. Glad to see you and our colleagues are safe. That is Sean O'Shea live in Ottawa for us tonight. Thanks, Sean. Many politicians are among the targets of the protesters' anger, but some are also out among the crowd. Perhaps not surprisingly, People's Party of Canada leader Maxime Bernier on Parliament Hill. Two Alberta Conservative MPs have also been out all day showing their support. Well, I've been hearing a tremendous amount of support for the truckers in my riding. These are hard-working, everyday Canadians who uh, do important work to stock our shelves and supply Canadians with, with food and products that they uh, need. Similar messages conveyed here in B.C. as a solidarity convoy is held for those unable to get to Ottawa. Supporters started out in Langley this morning and headed towards Vancouver. Along the way, some people lined the highway, including at the Willingdon exit, to share the same message. Paul Johnson has more on what they had to say when they arrived in downtown Vancouver. Where did you get this flag? Uh, I got it on Amazon. How's this for a kind of opinion poll? Just ask how long it takes to get the latest F. Trudeau flag. I think if you order one, uh, you might be waiting until February or March to get it. Saturday's rally confirms a couple of things about what is basically the pandemic protest movement 2.0. First, it's tilting more mainstream. While the conspiracy mongers are still there, there's much less talk about QAnon, Trump and Ivermectin. We're not anti-vaccine, not at all. I'm double vaxxed. And Jacob Hobe illustrates the second point, that the demonstrators are substantially younger than before. And while the movement is still overwhelmingly white, it also appears to be getting slightly more diverse. It's getting to the point where the severity of the virus no, long, no longer justifies the, the, the mandates and the policies that the government is imposing on, on the population. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing. The fact that most of Canada's political establishment and the nation's top trucking group have criticized the convoy is actually having the effect of fueling it with demonstrators telling us they feel talked down to by elites. Here's fully vaccinated Michelle. I think they are definitely out of touch. I think at the moment they are mostly doing things that is going to be beneficial only for the people that are in the power. 
Whatever you think of Canada's trucker protest movement, for a thing that's bringing people together to get out and wave the flag, it's pretty much the only game in town right now. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. The Canadian Trucking Alliance is again distancing itself from the trucker convoy. The organization issuing a statement reiterating its position that the only way to cross the border in a commercial truck or any other vehicle is to get vaccinated and that the vast majority of the industry has adapted and complied with this mandate. It goes on to say, quote, while a number of Canadians are in Ottawa to voice their displeasure over this mandate, it also appears that a great number of these protesters have no connection to the trucking industry and have a separate agenda beyond a disagreement over the cross-border vaccine requirements. As these protests unfold over the weekend, we ask the Canadian public to be aware that many of the people you see and hear in media reports do not have a connection to the trucking industry. A long and loud convoy from up and down the island converging on Victoria this afternoon. A convoy left Campbell River just before 8 a.m. By the time it arrived in the capital, several hundred people filled the legislature lawn. A parade of vehicles circling down the downtown area while others waved signs showing their support for truckers opposing vaccine mandates in the name of freedom. They say some of the parading of their support is of disproven COVID-19 treatments. A few also out showing their support for vaccines. In downtown Kelowna, large and small vehicles with horns honking snaked along the streets. Many of the vehicles sporting Canadian flags. Supporters lined Water Street and protesters once again gathered at Stewart Park. A mini convoy of big rigs and personal vehicles also making its way from Vernon to the Canada-U.S. border near Asuyas. And similar protests were held in other parts of the valley. There is people on every corner. They are coming in droves from all over Southeast BC and we couldn't be more happy. And this is for Canada and really the rest of the world to end these mandates and get our freedoms back. We just need it to stop and get back to living. And a large group of protesters packing downtown Cranbrook this afternoon out to cheer truckers and drivers circling the city centre, converging from all over southeastern BC to support the national rally and an end to COVID-19 restrictions and mandates. I think that it's certainly going to open some people's eyes, but I'm not sure if this is the right way to go about uh, changing these mandates or changing the idea of, of uh, what's going on. A monument saluting a national hero from B.C. was defaced during today's protests in Ottawa. This photo was taken this morning across the street from Parliament Hill. The Terry Fox statue violated with a sign stating mandate freedom and an upside-down Canadian flag. The Port Coquitlam resident, who lost part of his right leg to cancer when he was 18, ran more than 5,000 kilometers across Canada in his Marathon of Hope to raise money for cancer research before the cancer spread to his lungs. The mayor of Fox's hometown says whatever the cause, you don't touch this statue. For me and for people in Port Coquitlam, this is personal. You know, Terry Fox is, is so woven into the fabric of our community. To have someone do this to a Terry Fox statue, I don't know that I have the right words to describe 
how angry people are. To have someone try and appropriate his legacy and his image for a political cause, whatever the cause, is just sickening. It's just so wrong. And you wonder what the hell is wrong with this person who thought that that was okay. If I lived closer to Ottawa, I do what I think a lot of people in Port Coquitlam want to do right now, which is I drive my truck right over there and I tear that crap off the statue myself. Ottawa's mayor asked staff to remove the sign and upside-down flag from Terry Fox. The Terry Fox Foundation sent a tweet after the incident saying Terry believed in science and gave his life to help others and that it's proud to continue Terry's mission of funding cancer research. This also happens to be the fifth anniversary of the mosque shootings in Quebec that claimed the lives of six men. A vigil was set to take place tonight to honor the worshippers killed by a lone gunman shortly after evening prayers. But tonight's event in Quebec City was largely virtual due to the pandemic, as was the vigil in Ottawa over fears it would be targeted by some members of the truckers' convoy. As Amadagahi reports, some of those fears have led to the findings of a new report into Islamophobia felt every day by Canadian Muslims. Despite her desire, growing up, Saleha Islam says her parents did not want her to wear a hijab, and for this reason alone. I remember one moment in particular when, um, you know, I first started wearing the hijab where uh, a group of boys had come up to me and tried to pull off my hijab. And this was in school and, you know, school is a place where you're supposed to feel safe. That was age 16 and she'll never forget it. Honestly, at the end of the day, all of those experiences have helped me grow as an individual. I just hope that it can also help us grow as a country as well. For her and all Canadians across the country, Saturday marks a somber anniversary. Five years removed from a horrific attack on a Quebec mosque where six people were killed. Rehana Patel says she has met with the family members of those victims in the years since. It's so heartbreaking to kind of hear the long-term you know, impact that, you know, this has had on them, not just losing someone, but also losing someone to that kind of attack. On this occasion, Islam Relief Canada has also released findings of a study into the experiences of Canadian Muslims who have encountered Islamophobia. Actually interview Canadians from across the country um, on, you know, from large scale attacks, but also to very little things that that people that people may perceive as little, but it's also Islamophobic as well. Patel says the study found Islamophobia is systemic, gendered, and normalized, causing victims mental trauma and stress. Saturday, events across the country honored the victims the best they could, despite an in-person gathering planned in Ottawa being forced online due to concerns surrounding the so-called Freedom Convoy. Now, I'm frustrated because uh, people were, you know, we were expecting a significant turnout. Uh, people were expecting to gather together to, um, in remembrance of these uh, individuals who were, whose lives were taken, as well as to call attention to the issue of Islamophobia in this country. Salaha Islam says this and future anniversaries of the tragedy in Quebec should be a reminder. To be kind and to be good to one another and not to, not to have hate in our hearts. Amadagahi, Global News.
Right, shifting gears now to the weather. A storm is moving into parts of B.C. tonight, bringing with it heavy rain and snow. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell has more on the warning. So, Yvonne, where do you think we'll see the rain and snow? Along the south coast, it's going to be a soaker. It'll be rainfall and a significant amount of snow, especially if you're traveling on the mountain passes. We've already got that rain that's moving in across the south coast, but it is really going to start to intensify. Some of the heaviest rainfall will be overnight and then continuing through the day on Sunday. So a heads up, it'll be heavier at times overnight and as we get in towards the morning hours. A quick snapshot, the rainfall warning that is in effect for Metro Vancouver along the North Shore Mountains, the northeastern corners extending in towards the Fraser Valley, Burnaby, Coquitlam, Maple Ridge, all included with in that 15 up to 70 millimeters southern areas could see 30 and up to 40 millimeters and the snowfall significant amount of whistler 20 and up to 30 centimeters as possible mountain passes also seeing that potential upwards of 30 centimeters and a few spots into the southeastern corners of the province could continue to see that snowfall even leading in towards our monday i'll have more on the mountain passes because we are going to be tracking that for tomorrow and more on the rainfall for the soaker that we'll be seeing for our sunday Nithu? all right thanks so much yvonne after the break, crime scene connections, the latest from Surrey RCMP after a torched vehicle was found following last night's double shooting and the battle to bring back full-time ambulance service to Bowen Island. Surrey RCMP say two men seriously injured in a suspected targeted shooting in Newton are now in stable condition. <laughs> Officers were called to the 12200 block of 80B Avenue just after 6.30 last night. The men were found with gunshot wounds. They were rushed to hospital and their condition has since improved. Police add one of the men had an outstanding warrant and is in police custody. It's believed the attack is linked to the drug trade and the Lower Mainland gang conflict. Surrey RCMP say a vehicle found torched at 64th Avenue and 109th Street in Delta last night, about six kilometers away from the scene of the double shooting, is connected. If you have any dash cam footage or any information about the shooting, Surrey RCMP want to hear from you. Police say the urgent appeal from homicide investigators looking into a Coquitlam stabbing that's left a mother of three dead has generated... Hey guys, welcome to my beautiful family home. I'm Ramina Shaw, the newest member of Team Zuber and Associate. Ramina Shaw was fatally stabbed late Thursday afternoon in a parkade steps from her real estate office. It was at Austin Avenue and Marmot Street. Police have identified the victim because they want anyone who saw her or knew what was happening in her life to come forward. A statement from Stonehouse Realty, where Shaw worked, reads in part, She was dedicated to starting her new career in real estate, while at the same time being an amazing mom to three young children. Our hearts are broken by this tragedy, and our prayers and thoughts are with her family and kids. A small and idyllic island community near Vancouver says it was blindsided by policy changes that have dramatically reduced emergency services. Kristen Robinson has more, including why the BC Ambulance Service says there's been no reduction in the resources assigned to Bowen Island. A short ferry ride from Horseshoe Bay, Bowen Island is home to about 3,700 permanent residents. Some unaware that emergency medical care may not be as close as they thought. It does shock me because, I mean, you know, I've got health issues and everybody else does too, you know. Very concerning. The Seaside community says it recently learned of staffing changes that have left locals without ambulance service on multiple occasions since December. It's kind of appalling that there's this gap. 
One diabetic says she had a recent scare where her blood sugar levels dropped so low she could have required an ambulance. And there might not have been one or there might have been one, but we need to know that there will definitely be one. Bowen Island's mayor wrote to the BC Ambulance boss Friday requesting immediate reinstatement of 24-7 ambulance service, stating beyond the lack of communication is the real risk and harm to our community from this reduced service. We want to see full-time, 24-hour-a-day service from BC Ambulance and uh, there has been some instances in the last uh, month or so where we haven't been seeing that. BC Emergency Health Services says a new staffing model introduced last fall brought new paramedic jobs to Bowen Island as part of a province-wide shift to become less reliant on on-call employees. Prior to the introduction of the new staffing, the Bowen Island Ambulance had 24-7 coverage from on-call paramedics who carried a pager. Now the ambulance is staffed 24-7 by paramedics in permanent roles with regular schedules. If the ambulance is not on the island or staff are not available, we're looking at a car coming from Lions Bay or perhaps Squamish, and that could be one and a half to two hours. Firefighters are always ready to respond within 10 to 15 minutes, while BCEHS says it's working to address staffing challenges and actively recruiting for new positions on Bowen Island. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up, Trucker Talks, the encouraging meeting between B.C. drivers who protested highway safety and the province. Plus, a look at a possible path out of the pandemic and what a post-COVID world could look like. B.C. truck drivers who protested over poor highway conditions across the province a week ago met with provincial officials today over their concerns. Members of West Coast Trucking Association, who staged a protest across Metro Vancouver last Saturday, say they talked about multiple issues, including snow removal, de-icing, potholes, avalanche control timing, and washroom hygiene conditions. They asked to be consulted before making any changes to laws governing the trucking industry. They said they hoped the meeting will lead to positive changes in the future. We are coming up on two years since COVID-19 was declared a pandemic and Canadians continue to wonder if we'll ever get back to normal. It's something most of us want more than anything, but what does a return to regular life even look like after all this time? Global's Morgan Black has more. University student Ethan Eggert is spending a lot of time right here. Yeah, I've uh, really gotten to know how Zoom works over the last two years. He is going to hockey games or out for dinner, but he says it just doesn't feel the same. It's limited capacity and there are screens up everywhere. It just It's not a complete experience. New polling from Ipsos shows while one in five Canadians feel things are normal now, the same proportion say they're not sure they'll ever be ready to live without masks or vaccine mandates. Either way now is hard. It just feels, trying to return back to normal feels a little bit stressful. Mackenzie Grikuliak is getting a science degree. She says that's helped her make sense of the virus, but not how to live with it. Sometimes it's just not fun going out anymore. Regardless of when people think the new normal will arrive, 64% of Canadians say they believe governments are not doing enough to get us there. It's more, it's I'm frustrated and I'm looking to blame somebody for, for what this situation is. And they can't blame the virus. So disproportionately, what they're starting to do is blame their government. And the consensus of what we should be doing isn't as strong as it once was, according to Ipsos's Daryl Wicker. Expand health restrictions or downsize? 
stricter vaccine mandates or do away with them entirely. What we're running into now is a whole bunch of questions about how we're going to be moving into the next phase of however we're going to be dealing with this. Canadians remain united on one thing, keeping the health care system safe. 81% of the people that we interviewed said this has to be our top priority. Like everyone else, Eggert is tired of the pandemic. He's also ready to keep doing this a little while longer. We want to move on with things, but we want to do it at a smart pace. Morgan Black, Global News. Coming up next, from severe snowstorm to relentless rain, a wild winter storm hits the Maritimes, closing roads and knocking out power to thousands. A severe winter storm is sweeping through eastern Canada and the northeastern U.S. In Nova Scotia, emergency officials say plows can't even keep up with the amount of snow that fell in just a span of a few hours. Global's Alexa McLean has more on what's already been a busy winter so far for road crews. A steady stream of snow plows struggled to keep pace with a winter storm that dumped a significant amount of snow onto the province in a short period of time. Some places in excess of 40 centimeters. For the third time in the past five weekends, Nova Scotia's Emergency Management Office has been activated due to weather. It is a, typically a very busy time at EMO throughout the winter, uh, but it has been especially busy uh, in 2022 so far. What have uh, been the main challenges so far with this storm? A lot of whiteout conditions. A lot of the roads are uh, snow covered and, and obviously very slippery. You can see that um, Public Works and the RCMP are tweeting uh, about staying off the roads if possible and, and to uh, drive safely. This tweet from Nova Scotia RCMP describes the roads as miserable, with conditions expected to worsen as heavy snowfall is followed by an extended period of freezing rain and ice pellets, according to Environment Canada. I was just looking forward to get out before the rain to get the dog out for a walk. Equipment like snowboard goggles can certainly help you navigate your way through the blinding snow if you must venture out. Of course, the provincial emergency management office is asking people who can stay home to do so and they say having a storm like this fall on the weekend helps with that safety request. It does sometimes mean that there's a lot less traffic on the roads if people aren't going to work and, and they can kind of stay home and, and hunker down and, and look after their own property that does tend to help. We do try to get our messaging out early that a storm is coming so you know people can make the necessary preparations to, to stay home groceries, make sure you have enough supplies for 72 hours. <laughs> it's going to be heavy to shovel when I get home. Alexa McLean, Global News, Halifax. Well, Lee Summer enjoying it as we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell for a look at our forecast for here in BC and some rain and snow hitting regions here as well. Yeah, we are actually seeing a significant amount. Mountain passes, higher elevations, and I'll have more on that, the amounts and the timeline. Right now, though, we're sitting at five degrees out of the airport. We've got some rainfall that started to pick up and develop across the region. Today was really the calm before the storm, but it really does start to intensify. So keep that in mind. It'll be heavier at times overnight tonight. And then as we get in towards the morning hours and with this weather maker and storm, we're also seeking going to see windy conditions 20 and potentially up to 50 kilometers per hour so it is starting to pick up for all areas along the south coast the northern the north shore mountains the northeastern corners fraser valley will see higher amounts tomorrow 15 up to 70 millimeters as possible the snowfall if you're traveling along the sea to sky between 20 and up to 30 centimeters columbia and areas near the kootenai also seeing that snow that'll continue through the morning hours and the southeastern corners near elk valley 15 and up to 20 centimeters that may continue even in towards 
towards Monday morning before there is a break. Now, check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. We are looking at the Sea to Sky, 20 and up to 30. The Coquihalla with upwards of 20, similar for the Kootenay Pass. Rogers Pass could even see that bump up between 25 and 35 centimeters, and the Pine Pass with that range between 5 and 10. But the snowfall will continue through the day for most areas on Sunday. The northern half of the province along the coast, we are going to be seeing rain. Inland could see a few wet flurries changing over. The northeastern corners near Fort Nelson. Chilly one tomorrow with temperatures just getting up to minus 14. Snowfall across the southern interior, but it's really the southern half of the province. Areas for higher elevations that will see that significant amount of snow. Valley bottoms tomorrow, even in towards the Thompson Okanagan, could see four and up to eight, ten, eight centimeters of snowfall. And it's the southeastern corners that could continue to see the snowfall continuing in towards our Monday. Now along the south coast, it'll be a soaker for tomorrow. Breezy at times. We'll see temperatures getting up right around the average up to six. Most areas near Metro Vancouver for the southern half between 30 and up to 40 millimeters with the North Shore Mountains and extending into the Fraser Valley between 50 and up to 70 millimeters. Now it is going to ease off a nice break so rebounds quite quickly on Monday. We'll be back into some sunshine. Highs will be up to six degrees but cooler for overnight lows on Tuesday. That next system could bring us a bit of wet snow and then changes back over to rain by our Wednesday. Nithu. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, a cow on the lamb slowed traffic to a crawl in New Westminster this afternoon. Around 4.30, drivers heading off the Alex Fraser Bridge and toward the Queensborough Bridge spotted this brave bovine trotting along Highway 91A. Police were called and managed to steer the steer off the highway and down the Howe Street exit ramp. It's unclear why the cow hit the highway, but there is, of course, farmland in nearby East Richmond. Glad everyone is okay. Yes. A, li- a little detour. I yeah, have a beef exactly. with that. Yeah. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. I love the dad jokes. Keep them coming. <laughs> comes naturally. <laughs> what else comes naturally, of course, is sports. Yeah, what do you have yeah. well, the Canucks are almost uh, back to full strength. Just Tanner Pearson is in uh, COVID protocols. Bo Horvat's coming back tonight in Calgary. Thatcher Demko is going to start in goal. So... They're starting to slowly come back, and we'll hear from Bo Horvat, who spent the last 11 days in the States uh, in COVID protocols. He'll tell you a bit uh, what he went through. That's coming up. All right. Thanks for that, Barry. Also ahead, rejoicing over the refund program. The Recycling Depot changes that mean more money for those who rely on the returns. International travelers coming to hit the slopes at some of the resorts in the Okanagan and Columbia Shoe Swap can now get a COVID-19 test on the mountain before they fly home. Sydney Morton has the details. Travelers looking to hit the slopes at Silver Star Mountain Resort, Big White Ski Resort and Revelstoke Mountain Resort can now spend more time on the hill now that they can get PCR tests on the mountain. It really comes down to convenience because having to take a shuttle to town to get to the airport, to take the test, to come back, just takes a whole day out of a guest's uh, vacation. So what we've been able to do is just streamline that process and make sure that they have access to that uh, while they're here and they don't have to worry about having to travel to town. The PCR testing program is a partnership with Whitecap RSC Medical and the Kelowna International Airport. Tourists are making decisions whether or not they want to travel and whether whether or not they want to come to the Okanagan. And if this is the one piece that we can offer that makes a difference, that helps them choose to come, then I think we've been successful. For now, only PCR testing is available as part of the program. But antigen testing will become available at a later date. Tests cost $195. Travelers can pick up the tests at the check-in desk, take it on their own, and then drop it off. 
Test results take about 48 hours. It's being well received. Um, it's very simple. The extra convenience means that travelers can have an extra day of fun and keep up to date on any requirements needed to board a plane back home. Sydney Morton, Global News. Come February 1st, all milk and milk substitute containers can now be returned at recycling depots. And for those who rely on the refunds, it is a significant financial boost. The containers will be worth 10 cents at collection centers. The Binners Project, a nonprofit group aimed at reducing stigma around binners, says it's another way binners are able to increase their income. Binners, like Michael Leland, have long advocated for milk containers to be a part of the refund system as they're lightweight. Leland, who's in his 60s, has significant heart damage after suffering a heart attack. He's no longer able to carry glass bottles and welcomes the change. The milk cartons are, are going to be terrific. You know, um, I, I've had a major heart attack and I've got a pacemaker. So having the lightweight ability to carry lightweight milk cartons is fantastic. You know, I think they're going to find a lot are all crushed and smashed flat. You know, which is going to be the way it is, you know, people crush their cans now and stuff like that. However, having that ability to take milk cartons back is huge. The potential benefit to, to binners is huge. It's, uh, we, we don't know exactly what the number is going to be, obviously, um, but we see it being significant. Barry's back with the full sports cast after this break. And later, a stunning Snowgo Pogo sculpture in Quinell captures attention from far and wide. Fall in love with the magnificent orca. At the Royal BC Museum exhibit, Orcas Our Shared Future. Dive into the science, the currents of environmentalism, popular culture, and indigenous beliefs to gain a new appreciation of how orcas and humans are inextricably connected. Today, one in three Canadian children are at risk of going to school hungry. That's why Global News and Grocery Foundation are partnering for hashtag Toonies for Tummies, benefiting student nutrition programs for kids in our community. Visit globalnews.ca slash Toonies for Tummies for info. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. Get your 2022 Pink Shirt Day merchandise now at London Drugs. All right, Barry's in for a full look at sports and quite the opportunity for a backfill player on the Canucks. Yeah, it's a lot of chances for players these days with uh, players in and out, but it's getting back to normal. Thank goodness for the Canucks. Thanks, Neithu. Spencer Martin did an amazing job as an emergency fill-in the past week, but... The Canucks are thankful they've got both of their top goalies back. Thatcher Demko missed the last four games due to COVID. Yaroslav Halak has missed seven. Demko starts tonight in Calgary, and Halak will be the backup. Also back is Captain Bo Horvat. He tested positive in Nashville 11 days ago. He told us today that he was symptom-free the whole time and felt fine up until yesterday. He remained in the U.S. He flew from Nashville to Seattle where he skated with the Western Hockey League's Thunderbirds, which really helped him keep his fitness level. Horvat was unlucky to test positive in the U.S. Had it been in Canada, he may have only missed a game or two like the J.T. Miller situation, but crossing the border means starting the quarantine over, and that's why he missed all those games. It was frustrating. I just I felt like I missed five games for no reason. And, um, you know, obviously the protocols are put in place uh, for a reason, but it is a frustrating, uh, it was a frustrating time. But again, um, just putting that in the past and, uh, and again, just focusing on tonight. I anticipate him uh, stepping in where he left off. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of rust, but, you know, uh, 
every time they have a day off and they practice the next day, that practice, the first half hour is a little tough going. So it, you got to give the players, uh, uh, you know, the ones that have come back a lot of credit for stepping in and, and doing the job right away with, you know, sometimes uh, like um, Garland up to 14 days off and Halak the same amount and uh, when when you happens in the States and we'll see how Bo act, reacts after 10 days off. Well, even though his team got eliminated last week, Tom Brady is the talk of uh, because of the talk of the conference championship weekend earlier today. Very reliable NFL media sources reported that Brady was retiring after 22 sensational NFL seasons. Brady is at the top of pretty much every quarterback passing stat in the history of the game, and of course, he's won a record seven Super Bowls. But not long after that report came out, Tom Brady's agent issued a statement saying it's not official until Tom speaks, and then. Brady himself reportedly contacted the Tampa Bay Bucks GM and said his decision has not been made yet. Aussie Open Women's Final, Australia's very own, world number one, Ash Barty, or Ash Batty as they call her in Oz, taking on American Danielle Collins. Barty breezed through her first six matches, hadn't lost a set, 72 games to 21 in that span. It lost her service just once, and she rolled to an easy win in the first set, 6-3. It looked like another blowout. She's such a great athlete, so accurate and powerful. That's a tough combination to beat. But the fiery Collins cranked it and set, broke Barty twice. Barty may be starting to feel the nerves of winning that first ever Aussie Open. Give Collins credit. She led 5-1 in the second set, but here comes Ash Batty. Rolled off four straight games. This match would go to a tie break, and in the tie break, Barty took over. One of the best points of the match, finishing with the overhead smash. And now we go to match point as Barty will finish this off in style with a forehand pass winner. And that will be it. She wanted this title more than any other, of course, being in her home country. Ash Barty, the first Australian to win their Oz Open on home soil since 1978. She's now won three of the four slams, needing just the U.S. Open to complete the set. Vancouver Whitecaps open their 2022 MLS regular season just four weeks from today in Columbus. So still plenty of training camp time left to get into form. Brian White was in the best form of his career last season, leading the Whitecaps with 12 goals. And he's intent on proving that was no fluke. Almost the same spot. White is Brian White had a breakout season with the Whitecaps in 2021. Acquired from New York Red Bulls in June, White took a couple of months to find his footing with his new team, but then he just took off. He scored 12 goals for the Whitecaps in just 27 games, and 11 of them came in a 15-game span. The 12 goals were tied for 13th in all of MLS, but he's not satisfied. He's greedy to score more goals for himself and the team in 2022. Mindset-wise, for me, it's constantly thinking about scoring a goal all game in my head I'm like I need to I need to score score a goal like just this constant uh, voice in my head and then from there it's just about working hard for the team I think when I make runs in the box make runs in behind it creates space it causes problems for the defense and you know can create space for my teammates and that ultimately creates space for me White doesn't have blazing speed or a booming shot, but he works extremely hard, which makes him popular with teammates. And he has that goal scorer's knack of just knowing where to go to put the ball in the back of the net. 
He's a goal scorer, he's a poacher, um, he's always in the right place, whether it's just his knee, his head, his, <laughs> his foot. Um, he's always in the right place, and that's not just by accident. You know, when you do it 12 times, it's, um, that, that's when you know that somebody's got a gift for it. I mean, he's a intelligent guy, intelligent footballer. It's just a joy to play with him. Um, he picks up really good positions. Like I said, he works really hard for the team, so that's always something that... Um, you know, everyone appreciates how, how hard he works. Gauld and White were a dynamic duo combining for some fantastic goals almost from the moment they started playing together. So now to have them for a full season has the Whitecaps dreaming of even greater things. And if White can keep putting the ball in the net, he could find himself with the U.S. national team sooner rather than later. Uh, for me, it's just about improving my game, scoring as many goals as I can for the, for the Vancouver Whitecaps and helping the team win. And then, you know, all that falls into place. Maybe, the, you know, a call to the national team will come. But for me, it's focusing on doing what I can to help the team win. Back to the NHL. Oilers looking for a fourth straight win, visiting the Habs. And Evander Kane making his Oiler debut, playing alongside Connor McDavid. It didn't take long for Kane to chip in, going to the net, deflects the Evan Bouchard shot for his first as an Oiler. Regardless of his problems off the ice, Kane's performance on it has not suffered. He still scores at a regular clip. 1-0 Edmonton. Then later, Chris Russell with the point shot. This time, the deflection from Zach Hyman. It was 2-0 uh, at that point. Second period, now 3-1. Oilers. Hyman will dig it out to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Buries the wrister stick side. 4-1 Oilers as they go on to win it by the final of 7-2. That's Kerry Price in the cowboy hat. Skated a few minutes today, but no word on his return to the lineup. Jets and Blues. Winnipeg trying to bust a six-game losing streak. Second period tied at one. Kyle Connor scores his team leading 24th goal. Look at that. Right off the post and in past Ville Husso. 2-1 Jets. Former Canuck Nate Schmidt on the power play will fire it in as the Jets beat the Blues 4-1. They move into a tie with the Canucks with 43 points, but the Jets have played two less games than Vancouver. Trevor Zegras and the Ducks in Ottawa. Anaheim continues to surprise with their fine play, but uh, Ottawa ties things up. How about this by Tyler Ennis? The spin, the fire, and the goal. Top shelf ties it up 1-1, and it stayed that way until the third. And Troy Terry, what a breakout year for him. This is his 25th of the year. Ducks take it 2-1. They move into first in the Pacific ahead of Vegas, but the Ducks have played a few more games than the rest of the division. NBA tonight, Raptors in Miami Heat. Fred Van Vliet back in the Raptor lineup after missing the last two. Gary Trent Jr. leads the NBA in steals. Great theft off Bam Adebayo and then goes back the other way, lays it in. Great play, 28-27 Toronto after one. More great hustle in the second. OG Ananobi picks it off. The former Miami Heat, Precious Achua, throws it down. Raps had great energy in the first half. Scotty Barnes inside to Ananobi for the jam as well. Toronto 59-53 at the half, and they're up 10 early in the fourth. PGA Tour is at beautiful Torrey Pines in San Diego. Final round of the Farmers Insurance Open. It's a Saturday finish to avoid uh, conflict with the NFL playoffs tomorrow. Ozzie Jason Day trailing by two, but he ties for the lead thanks to this hole out on the par 4 14th. That's an eagle, but he would end up tied for third, one off the lead. Will Zalatoris had a chance on the 18th for his first ever PGA Tour win. Eight feet for birdie. Oh, leaves it short. So we need a playoff with Luke List, who's also looking for his first PGA Tour victory. And Luke, what he did here. This is his 
approach shot on the par 5 18th, the first playoff hole, and he finds the slope, and that is just perfect. Rolls it to within a foot, would tap that in for birdie, and Luke List wins the Farmers Insurance Open for his first ever PGA Tour win. Nick Taylor tied 30th, Adam Spenson was 79th. And some Scotties curling in the Canadian Women's Championship being played in Thunder Bay with no fans allowed. BC represented by Kelowna's Marianne Arsenault taking on Manitoba. Oh, I guess we don't have that in the 10th end. They lose by the final of the 6-5 to Manitoba. That's it for sports. All right. A little faster than I thought, but (laughs) zip right through it. Thanks very much for that, Barry. And we'll be right back with the so-called Snow Go Pogo sculpture that's become a showstopper in Quinell. Stay with us. All right, one B.C. resident has crafted an ice sculpture that's turning heads. Vanessa Hildreth in Quinell built a massive Ogopogo ice sculpture. For the past 12 years, Hildreth says she's been bringing the mythical creature on her front lawn, but this year may be her best one yet. She posted the image online, and it's already seen thousands of views. I can see why. That's incredible. So much I don't know detail. how long it takes her. I a lot know, of patience. So many and it has to be cold enough like in Quinell so that yeah. it doesn't yes. melt. <laughs> Can't try this at home. No. However, there is some snow on the way to the Lower Mainland, isn't there? Yeah, many areas into the interior will see a significant amount, but it's going to be a soaker across Metro Vancouver. The rainfall will intensify overnight. We'll see it through the day tomorrow. 15 up to 70 millimeters with higher amounts, especially along the North Shore Mountains and extending into the Fraser Valley. Breezy tomorrow, so a heads up, but then a nice improvement is on the way. By Monday, we'll be rebounding back with some sunshine just in time to start the work week. All right, thanks so much Mm -hmm. for that. And thank you all for sharing some of your night with us. Krista Dow will be here at 11.